Well, good morning, church. How are you? Everybody doing well? Keaton, Maddie, fantastic job. Rest of the worship team. Did they not do a wonderful job this morning, church? Wow. I've already been blessed this morning. Uh, as they were singing the song, Honey in the Rock, I couldn't help but think about my life. Hopefully, when you worship your minds on the Lord and where you're at with him and I don't know how the Lord directs your heart during worship, but this particular morning, my heart just went to the sovereignty of God and thanking him for what he has done in my life. And I'm so thankful that at every turn that I've been, he's provided and he's been good. Are you thankful for the Lord this morning, church? He's good. Uh, Well, as you know, we're in our sermon series called The Journey. Last week, We discussed that our journey with Jesus begins at salvation. And I want to encourage you, if that message is weighing on your heart and you know that you don't know Jesus as your Savior, at the end of service last week, that invitation for him to come to him didn't end there. It's available for you today. If you want to place your faith and trust in Jesus, he's always ready and willing to forgive and to accept you. So I'm begging you. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. But this morning is week two. As Keaton alluded up here earlier, we're going to discuss about God's plan for our our life. I want you to be honest with me. I want some interaction. Have you ever at some point in your life phrased it however you want in your own words, but basically said, I want to know what God has for my life? Anybody? Be honest. Yes. A lot of people like two hands. Yes. Right now. This morning. (laughs) Lord, what you got? Right? So oftentimes, we use the word, the, the will of God. And, and that's not wrong. It's biblical. Uh, that's okay. But so many times, we discuss uh, the will of God, and, and it's portrayed as this mystery that's unobtainable. And so many times, you come in here, maybe hear a speaker after speaker or class and study after study talking about the will of God, and you leave more confused than when you came in. Amen? You're like, What? Is going on. What does the Lord want out of me? Well, I, I'm going to do something this morning. Instead of using uh, the term will of God, which oftentimes has so much mystery surrounding it, I just want to use the, the term plan. Is that not simple enough? Because I believe sometimes the will is so mysterious. But you give me a plan, I can work the plan. I've got some construction workers in here. Give me a plan, and I can work the plan. Amen? Like, I can take some steps. Uh, Show me, God, how to follow you. So we're going to pose this question this morning. How can I discover God's plan for my life? How do I know God's plan for my life? And I believe it this morning. I want you to, to tune in and I want you to listen to this. Every single life in here has value. Every single life in here can be used by God. Every single life in here, God has designed a plan that fits you perfectly. Did you hear that? He's got a plan for your life. And I want to look at the Old Testament. I want you to go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings, we're going to be in chapter 18. We're going to look at King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was used by God in a mighty way. He discovered what God's plan was for his life. So let's begin reading in 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 2. It says he was 25 years old when he became king. 
And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehishtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Wow, could you imagine that being written about your story? They were successful in all that they did. Anybody strive to, to, to be that? Man, come on. Who, who can say that uh, about you? What I love about this particular story is that we give, or, or Scripture gives examples of what set Hezekiah up for success. I believe right here in this moment, God had a specific plan for Hezekiah. Hezekiah knew the plan, and he obeyed God and was faithful in everything that he did. At the end, we see that he was successful. God blessed him for being obedient. God blessed him for, for being faithful. He understood the plan, and he was following the plan for his life. Let's continue reading in his story, Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah chapter 38, we're going to read 1 through 5. It says, about that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says, set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, remember, O Lord. How I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Does that encourage anybody before we go any further? God sees you. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Syria. Yes, I will defend this city. What you are seeing here is in this moment, God was honoring his faithful servant. God was being true to his word, honoring and blessing his servant. What we don't read here is that this is universal is that if you serve God faithfully, do everything that pleases him, you're going to have a long life. That's not what we see. This was uniquely for Hezekiah. I wish I could say that about everyone's life. But what is most important, what we do see here, is that Hezekiah lifted him, God, above all else, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Because that's what pleases God. 
Lord, do with me whatever you want. Short life, great. Long life, great. I want to worship and serve you. But we see here is that God will be faithful. God will be good if you obey his commands and make him Lord of your life. He'll be faithful. He'll be good to you. Hezekiah knew God's plan. And he lived out God's plan for his life. And what an example it is for you and I. So what does the New Testament say about living out God's plan? Discovering God's plan. Doing what God wants us to do. What does the New Testament say? Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read 15 through 17. It says, so be careful how you live. If you've got a highlighter, I want you to highlight that. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Church, I want to remind you that our lives should be lived with careful thought. We should give thought to how we wake up and use our time. God does not want us to waste the life that he so graciously gives us. He doesn't want us to waste it. And his word is so strong about this. He says, listen, I want you to understand what I have for you. Don't live like fools. Give this life careful thought. I don't know about you, but all I have to do is read Ephesians 5, and I get instantly convicted. So many days of my life, I waste. God is saying, don't waste your life. If we've heard this morning that, man, God is good, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose for your life, I wonder how many in this room are wasting their lives. God's got a plan for us. And he wants us to give it some careful consideration. So this morning, we're going to pose the question. It's going to be on the screen. How do I know God's plan for my life? How can I figure this out? Listen, I, I, I do not want you to leave here today more confused than when you came in. I, I want you to have some simple instruction from the Word of God about how to live your life. And I believe God's Word will help us do just that. So the first thing that I want you to write down this morning, first thing that I want you to take note of is that we ought to love him the most. That we ought to love God the most. We're going to get this from Mark chapter 12, verse 30. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. What scripture is saying right here is that we have to love God with everything, everything. We love God with our whole self. But here's the danger, church. Here's where we're at. So many of us are living our lives in such a way that it says to God, I don't need you. So many of us are living our lives in a way where we wake up in the morning and we're going to work our plan, right? We're going to work our plan for our life. We're going to work our plan for our life until our plan don't work out, right? And then we go, Lord, help me. Well, then we acknowledge our need for him. 
So the danger lies, are you living your life in such a way that says, I love you the most, God. I know that you're sovereign. I know that you have a plan. I want to do what is right by you. Are we living our life in that way? Or are we saying, I got this. I got it till I don't kind of mentality. I got it till I don't. God is saying, love me the most. This is an Old Testament principle that's been around since God established the law for his people. Commandments 1 and 2, God pleads the case. It's me and only me. Love me and only me. We've got to understand this morning that God is jealous for where he ranks in our hearts. And he's serious about it. So this morning, you need to have some self-examination. If I'm trying to do the, uh, the will of God, if I want to act out this plan that God has for my life, am I loving God most? Does he reign supreme in my heart? Does he get my heart's affection? What I love about the story of Hezekiah, he said single-mindedly he followed after God. That means his mind and his heart was not split. It was focused only on God. So this morning, God's plan for your life is for you to elevate him to the very top. Make him a priority of your life. He's jealous for first place. Where does he rank in your heart? The second thing that God wants out of your life is for you to cherish his family. Cherish his family. The word used there to me is just precious. It's a value. Cherish the family of God. What I'm talking about is the church, those that he gave up his son for. Cherish his family. So he needs you to ask the question, do I love the family of God? Am I plugged in to the family of God? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. May not be the best passage to read the day after Razorback game in Fayetteville, but we're going to read it. I need you to laugh. We're going to read it in a second, and you'll know why it's funny. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Y'all can chuckle now. Hopefully they'll tune in online, right? As some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing Near. Listen, church, this is not a sermon about church attendance, okay? It's not. We know that being here is a value, absolutely. Make every effort you can whenever your schedule allows to be here and to worship. But what this point is saying, do we value, do we cherish the family of God? Is it precious to you? Are, are you involved with the family of God? Is it a priority in your life? God's word is so simple about what he wants out of us to love him and then love his family. Do you love the family of God? Is it a priority for you? So, I know I said it's five, but this has a sub point. Under this point, it says his family helps us along the journey. That's why it's so important for you to be plugged in, for you to be invested, for you to cherish the family of God. Is the family of God exist? To exalt God and edify one another. That means lift one another up. Let's read Proverbs 11, verse 14. It says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Listen, church, so many times in my life, I've been confronted with a left 
or a right turn. Anybody been there? And you approach that fork in the road going, God, what do you want? Help me understand. And in those moments in my life, I can distinctly remember going to the family of God and saying, what do you think? Help me figure this out. Help me discern what God's plan is for my life. Speak in to this situation. Can anybody relate? I want you to look around the room right now. I want you to like make it awkward. Look around the room. Look around the room right now. Look, nobody's looking. Look around the room. These are your advisors. Some of you are thinking, boy, I sat on the wrong road today, didn't you? Yeah. This is, woo, of all sermons for me to sit here. Come on, man. God's family exists to exalt him and edify one another. These people are precious. They should be precious to you. They pray for you. They encourage you. They speak truth into your life. They help you discern God's plan for your life. Do you cherish his family? God is saying, hey, I've set this thing up. I I, I know what I'm doing. I established the church. For my honor and my glory and for your good, do you cherish God's family? The next thing I want you to write down is God wants you to grow in maturity. God wants you to elevate your faith, elevate your knowledge. God's plan for your life is not that you stay where you are right now. There is always something else to learn. There is always another experience to have. There is always another step to take. Do you believe it? He does not want to leave you where you're at. God's plan for your life is for you to continue to grow in maturity. Once you think you've arrived, God will humble you. God's plan for your life is for you to grow. Hebrews chapter 6, the first part of verse 1 So let us stop going over basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. I'm amazed at the things that we we continually strive to grow at in life. Maybe you're thinking about your job situation. You go off to to a training. You want to get better at your job. Or or maybe you're somebody that's passionate about hobbies. And you work and and you strive to be the very best that you can at your hobby. And and those are great things. But I'm oftentimes uh, uh, convicted a little bit. Like in in, in my life, I I love to hunt and fish. Anybody else in here? Y'all are going to leave me hanging again on the outdoor thing. Golly. Well, there's so many guys I'm going to trust that have already gotten their bows out. They've already been shooting. They've already been practicing. Maybe they've gone to deer camp. They're putting corn in the feeders. They put the cameras out. Why? So in the moment when it's happening, you're ready for it. And I started thinking about my life and everything that I invest my time, my energy into to get better. And then I'm convicted. God, do I, do I study your word enough? Do do I make this a priority enough? Do I want to grow in my faith like I want to be a better deer hunter? You see how silly that sounds? But so many times in our life, we're wasting it on foolish things. We, We want to get better at things that don't matter. God says, grow in your faith. Step it up a notch. Listen, being here, coming to worship, 
singing and sitting through preaching by itself will not grow your faith. It won't happen. Many of you have been coming here a long time ago. When am I going to get something out of it? It's on you. Are you growing in your faith? Are you putting forth the effort? Listen, this church has systems in place to help you. Get involved with the growth group. Get involved in a connect group. Those are set up so that your faith can grow, so that you can dive into God's word, so that you can be challenged to take that next step, to grow in your faith. Are you taking advantage of it? God says grow in maturity. That's what I want for you. Are you growing in Christ? The next thing that he's got for your life, that he wants out of you, is he wants you to cultivate what you love. Let me explain what I mean by this, to cultivate what you love. So many times in life, we get lost. We get lost in the mundane. We get lost in the routines of life. Many of you are thinking about the routine that you're in today. And you just get lost in that routine. I, I got to go to work, got to make a living, got to come home, got to get the kids here, got to get the kids there. That's all good stuff, right? But, but before you, you realize it, you're lost. Oh, I about fell. <laughs> Y'all about had the best morning ever. You can rewatch that online. It's going to be good. See my face. That's right. But so many times you get lost. And here's one of my greatest fears. And I got real honest with the first group. One of my greatest fears is this. Is that we get caught up in the mundane. We get caught up in the routines. And we forget what we really love. We forget what God has gifted us in. What God has given us the passion to do. And then we wake up one morning. We hit retirement. We look back on our life. And we go, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. I've not served you, God. I've not used my giftedness. I've not used what you have made me passionate about for your honor and glory. And then sadly, if you think this doesn't happen, it happens. And sadly, we spend the rest of our life trying to make up for lost time. So let this serve as a warning, younger people. Cultivate what you love now and let God use it. Your life is precious. Don't waste it. Do not waste your giftedness. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Listen, the, the Holy Spirit, whether you believe this or not, the Holy Spirit has gifted each and every person in here uniquely different to accomplish his plan and purpose for your life. Do you believe that? If you don't, keep saying it till you do. God has gifted each of you for a specific gift. And so many times I think we are, we are tempted to separate what we love and what God has gifted us in. Because I think we feel guilty to say, well, I love it, so God must have gifted it to us. That's nonsense. So many times... God places giftings on your life that you love. Why? So that you'll use it. So cultivate what you love. 
cultivate what God has placed that desire in your heart all about. Psalm 37, 4. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Listen, let God use what you love if what you love is what pleases him. It's going to be a slide on the screen. I want you to write this one down. Desires produced by holiness are significant for your life. Desires, these holy desires that take root in your heart, God wants you to act upon that. God wants you to use it. In the first service, I'll use my mother as an example. I'll use her in this one again. She's not in here. Her name's Connie. I have the blessing of serving at a church where my family's at. And in this particular example, she serves as an example of this. My mom was a teacher for many, many years. She hit retirement, and she could have easily just rode into that retirement, taking care of grandbabies, you know, cooking dinners, loving on her family. But what my mother did, and this is such an example to me, is my mom has been wrestling, what does God want out of my life? Listen, when you hit retirement, God's plan for your life is not over. God's not done with you. She said, God, I want to be used by you still. She has a heart for teaching a passion for it. And just this past week, she stepped out on faith and she's a group leader for Bible Study Fellowship. I'm watching God use her continually because she's cultivating what she loves and allowing God to use it. So be challenged by that. Allow God to cultivate what you love and then watch him use it. He wants to use you this morning. He desperately wants to use you. The last thing is that we need to pursue the needs of others. That's what God wants out of you. Pursue the needs of other people. If there's ever been a moment when you have woken up and gone, God, what do you, what do you want out of me? What's this life all about? Make it real simple. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. Mark chapter 12, verse 31, the second part. It says the second is equally important. So we've got love God, and now we've got love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. What greater way to spend your days on this earth than making everything about God and other people? Pursuing the needs of others. God, from his very own word, has given us instruction on how to do this. You you may look at this uh, commandment and go, okay, what does love your neighbor as yourself really mean? How do I do that? Look at your neighbor and love them the way that you want to be loved. That's what it says. Are you a person that needs encouragement? Speak encouragement into somebody's life. Are, Are you somebody that needs a blessing? Be a blessing to somebody else. If you uh, know that this person needs Jesus because he is the greatest blessing of your life, give them Jesus. This is what this commandment says. Love them the way that you want to be loved. And, and, And God is serious about our pursuit of other people's needs. This is backed up in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. 
I wonder how many times we wake up in the morning and go, God, help me to see people, really see them the way that you see them. God, today, allow me to be a blessing. Make someone's need known to me so that I can meet that need. That's what God wants out of your life. It does not have to be a mystery. It does not have to be something you spend 20 years trying to uncover. He's made it abundantly clear in his word what he wants out of you. If you really want to take today's message and make it super simple, love God and love people. What I love about these things is when we think about what does God want out of my life, we think that we're the center of the story. You're never the center of the story. If we pursue these five things, what we will see is that it's all about God and all about others. That's what this life is for. So I want you to think about your life. God, what am I doing? Am I wasting the precious time that you've given me? Or am I using it to act out your plan that you so perfectly have for me? These five things are on the screen. These are not steps, okay? These are not one, two, three, four, five. These are things that God wants out of you, not in any particular order. But I want you to look at this. I want you to examine your life. Which of these, God, do you want me to lean into the most? Which of these would you have for me the most? Make that your prayer today and see how God can use you along this journey. He's got a plan for your life, church. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it gives. Thank you. For providing a plan for our life. God, I want to make it personal. God, thank you so much for providing a plan for my life. And I want to be like Hezekiah. I want to be obedient and I want to be faithful. So God, I pray for us this morning as each one of us is longing to work out this plan that you have for our life. God, I pray that you would just allow us to be obedient and faithful to what you have for us. Thank you for loving us enough to provide a plan. Thank you for loving us enough to provide Jesus. And we ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen.